Jin Yong, thank you for reading. Morning, everybody. It is uh, lovely to be together. Hasn't it been wonderful to sing God's praises, to draw near to him, to, to pray with faith, uh, and now to come to his word. Uh, Sue, in her prayers, prayed the special collect, the prayer, Church of England prayer for today, which is Bible Sunday, uh, putting the, the scriptures right at the center of all we do as, as a church, and it's right that we do. So if you haven't got a Bible in front of you, uh, there's always one at the back to grab on your way in. Uh, what is so important to know is that, that it is, it's in the scriptures that, that, that we, we come to God uh, we, by his spirit. Uh, what, I, what the person says at the front doesn't matter as much as what is in here. The aim of the person at the front is to say what is in here and to help teach and explain what it is. But if you hear the person at the front saying something which doesn't come out of here, then please feel free to have a word with them. That includes me especially, okay? Uh, because that's how our job is simply to teach and explain the scriptures. So, so let's pray that uh, I would do that faithfully this morning and that we would hear God by his spirit through his word. Father, we thank you for gathering us this morning. We thank you for the blessing of praise and prayer. We thank you for the fun the children are having uh, and learning your word. Pray that your spirit would come into our hearts right now, that we would listen for your voice to be attentive to you so that we might walk in your ways, that we might know Jesus more fully in our lives. For we ask it in his precious name. Amen. Okay, I want to begin this morning um, with uh, some scenario planning. Okay, here's the scenario. Uh, you've just taken your last breath. Sorry, I don't want to be morbid, but you've just taken your last breath. Uh, you are standing now at the gates of heaven and you hear a voice from behind the gate saying, why should I open the gates and welcome you in? How are you going to answer that scenario? Well, you think for a moment, you, you say, well, I've, I've tried my best to be good. Silence. I think, I've tried my best to be good and I've, I've, I've been going to Christ church. Well, I was there at least once. Some of them, actually, I was going for 88 years. No. Nothing. I've tried to be good. I went to Christchurch. I was in a home group. <laughs> Still nothing. I tried to be good. I went to Christchurch. I, I, I was in home group. I, I gave 10% of my income away throughout my working life. Throughout my life. No movement. I tried to be good. Uh, I went to Christchurch on Sunday. I was in a home group. I gave 10% of my income away. I, I was on a serving rota, in fact, more than one, and I volunteered at Food Bank. The gates are still shut. You pause, you reflect. You're a bit embarrassed. You hear the question again Why should I open the gates? of heaven and welcome you in. And you know it in your heart. And you say, Jesus Christ died for me. And he is my friend. And suddenly the bells start ringing and the hallelujah chorus starts singing and the gates fly open and you are welcomed in to the glory and the majesty of heaven and a new creation. You've probably heard that before. Uh, it's basic Christianity 101, but it's amazing how quickly and easily we forget 
that a relationship with the living God depends not on what we do, but only on what Christ has done. Any answer that begins with I uh, will never open the door to heaven. The only right answer begins and ends with Christ and him alone. Uh, This is how uh, Martin Luther put it. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is how we come to God. Uh, We heard from Emmanuel last week in the previous passage that we work out our salvation in fear and trembling. A a whole life ahead is is working out that salvation with all those wonderful things, but, but we come to God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Uh, This is how Jesus put it. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus was contrasting himself there with the Jewish religious leaders who uh, uh, placed great burdens on the people. 613 laws they've managed to to, to work out. Do this, don't do that, keep those. Then God will be pleased with you and will welcome you in. And Jesus just said, come. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened by the law. It's so simple. And and maybe that's why we struggle with it. Maybe that's why we think, surely it's more complicated than that. Surely I've got to do something. I've got to fulfill a quest or something. That's how life works. And I've got to do something. And Jesus just says, come. As you are to me. And find rest. Paul puts it in a slightly more technical language in verse 9 of our passage today. He says, not having a righteousness, that is a, a right relationship with God, not having a righteousness of my own, which comes from the law, that is from keeping the Jewish law, but that which comes from God on the basis of faith, a gift from God. Paul was clear that a relationship with God is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And to try and add anything to that is always a dangerous mistake. Uh, And that's why he comes in chapter 3 after that little brief uh, reminder to rejoice in the Lord, and we'll get back to that in chapter 4. He comes with a warning. Immediately he turns to warn the church in strong language of those who are saying something else about adding to Jesus. So first of all, we see this Paul's warning. Be careful of adding to Christ. Verse 2. Have a look down if you've got your Bibles open. Paul writes this, he says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. I mean, this is strong language, isn't it? Watch out for those dogs, says Paul. It's directed, this teaching, at a, this warning, at a group of traveling teachers who were going around the, the early church. They were, they were converts to Christianity uh, from Judaism, but they were keen to retain the Jewish law and their Jewishness. But that, they weren't only keen to retain it for themselves, they wanted to impose the Jewish law on, on all the Christians, including the Gentile Christians and the European Christians in, in Philippi. Uh, and, uh, and so they would have been saying, look, you need to believe in Jesus, that's really important. But if you're going to be a real Christian, if you're going to be a proper Christian, acceptable to God, then you'll need to follow the Jewish law as well. 
You'll need to be circumcised as the outward sign of the Jewish people. Their message was Jesus plus the law. And I expect the young Christians in Philippi were were impressed by these guys. I mean, they'd come from Jerusalem, the HQ of the the church. They'd come from the place where Jesus had lived and and died. Uh, They had this heritage of of rich Jewish law. And so you you can imagine them being quite impressed by these teachers. And you can imagine why they might be drawn to that kind of teaching. Because with the law, there's something tangible, isn't there, to do. There's something, there's some tasks we can tick off. Uh, there's some rules to keep that you can have pr- be proud about when, you, when, you, when you've done them. It's, it's, in many ways, that's easier than simply trusting in an invisible Jesus and following someone we can't see. Uh, if you've got some things you can do and tick off, and I've done this and I've done that, uh, it's easier in some ways. And I, and I expect the Philippian Christians were being drawn to that. Paul knows the attraction of the message, so he says, watch out. These guys are dangerous. They might sound and look impressive, but, but actually, he says, it's, it's we, the simple, believing Christian church, who are the real deal, verse 3. For it is we, he says, who are the circumcision. Not outwardly, but inwardly in the heart. It is we, the church, who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Paul is saying, we don't trust in what we do. We don't put our confidence in ourselves, in achieving an accomplishment. In Christ alone, our hope is found. So be careful of adding to Christ, is Paul's first warning. And then he goes on, doesn't he, to to share his testimony. Uh, Before we look at that testimony uh, and his story, can I say I have been really blessed by, by meeting a whole bunch of you and hearing something of your story. Uh, meet the Vicar Slots have been great. I've heard about it, 50 of, of you guys saying something and sharing something of your faith journey. And it has been amazing just to hear a, just each person unique and different in God's sight. God drawing people to you, some in slightly more dramatic ways, some uh, just gently evolving. Uh, but seeing God at work in, in, in his church, it's been wonderful. And as Anil said, there's still space for more. I've not seen you all. I'd love to see as many of you as possible. So do go to the uh, church suite and, and, and sign up. Uh, hearing people's stories is brilliant. And Paul here is sharing his story in lots of ways. I've met lots of unique people at Christchurch. I haven't yet met a Hebrew of Hebrews. But here in Paul's uh, uh, letter to the Philippians, I meet this Hebrew of Hebrews. Hebrews and his testimony is, is this, uh, trust in nothing but Christ. So Paul's warned of these false teachers. They're they're adding the Jewish law to Jesus and saying, you've got to do this if you're going to be a real Christian. And and Paul says, look, if you want the example of an ultimate Jew, if you want the ultimate example of a Hebrew of Hebrews, well, just look at me. And he describes his pedigree. Verse 5, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. All the boxes are ticked. He's got all the right connections. He's, he's been in the right theological colleges. He, 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 he's, he's got everything what it is to be a, a real, true Jew before God. And then he goes on to describe his performance. Uh, verse 5, he carries on in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. 
I mean, this guy's not a regular Jew. He's a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the law. He, was, he, had a, you know, he would have had a dog collar, maybe even a, a bishop's mitre. He was totally committed to the cause. He sought to obey it perfectly. Pedigree, performance, he is the perfect example. He's got everything. If anyone could be confident to stand in the presence of God, to enter his presence, to say, why should I let you into heaven? Paul had the CV for that. And then he says, verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. In the older version, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. And he carries on, verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Uh, this, is a, this is a great passage, or a nightmare passage really, for accountants and treasurers. See Dermot at the back there. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed with you guys you, 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 who know your numbers and who love spreadsheets and you see numbers. And I've seen so many spreadsheets in the last few weeks. And, and, I, and it's all just a sort of massive numbers and details. And, and, and I love you guys who, who know exactly what's going on. Simple spreadsheets are, uh, for simple brains like mine is good. And this is Paul's spiritual spreadsheet. Did you see it? All those deposits that Paul was making. He was putting all his deposits. They seemed to be adding up to a healthy profit. The accounts are looking good before God, it seems. But then you look again at the spreadsheet and suddenly you realise that all the numbers that were in the debit column have, uh, are, 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 sort of, are in the debit, not the credit column. A big loss appears at the bottom of the spreadsheet. Every accountant's nightmare, every treasurer's nightmare. A, a, a big loss. See, for Paul, all that had gone before meeting Jesus, he now sees as, as a loss as in the debit column. He was deep in debt before God, a debt he could never pay, however much he did, and whatever his CV had on it. And then wonderfully, in the spreadsheet appears one deposit, one huge, unlimited, blank check, sitting in the credit column, and that deposit is Jesus himself, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his glorious resurrection. And so Paul says, look, having him, knowing him, living for him is now the only thing that really matters. I tried all this and, and, and it just put me further into debt with God and I took hold of Jesus and I received that righteousness that comes from faith, that right standing with God. Uh, his, his rich CV, he says he now considers, verse 8, rubbish. The Greek word is, is skubalon. It's the, the rubbish, garbage is the polite translation. The actual translation really is, is a pile of dog's muck. And I do admire you dog owners who have to go around with little plastic bags and when you go for your walk, you sort of see your dog do something really revolting and you've got to go and pick it up and, and put it in, in, in your bag and then hopefully put it in a bin, not just hang it on a tree. I sometimes see that and, you know, you get the whiff and it's, it's foul. Well, Paul is saying, look, what I considered you know, before, what the world considers wonderful and, 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 and my CV I now consider like, a, like dog's mark compared 
to knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Uh, only Jesus can do that. Only as Paul lets go of his pride, of his human achievements, takes hold of Jesus, does he discover life in all its fullness. Life uh, eternal. Life lived out in, in, in the present for Jesus and then uh, with that sure hope of life eternal. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That was Paul's heartbeat. And if it's true for Paul, well, it is true for us. Paul warns, be careful of adding to Christ. And we might think, well, look, I don't know any Jewish Christians. And, you know, I'm not tempted to keep the Jewish law, and I'm definitely not planning to be circumcised anytime soon. So, so that's okay, isn't it? I, I, I mean, this doesn't really apply to me. Well, of course, we're not tempted by the Jewish law, I'm sure, most of us, but, but we're often tempted to add to Christ. Even for those who, who put their trust in Christ and him, uh, there's subtle ways, isn't there? We, add, we begin to add to Jesus. Things that we do which we begin to trust in. You know, here at Christ Church, we make a big thing of regularly being here on a Sunday. Uh, we make a big thing of joining a home group, of, of tithing our money or giving generously, of talking about Jesus, of being involved in creation care or in social justice projects. And these are things that are good things. All of those are great things as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, uh, but they too quickly become the markers of real Christian faith. And we start to trust in those things instead of trusting in Jesus. How, how do we know if that's happening? Well, one sign is a kind of spiritual roller coaster. You know, we get to the end of a week and we managed to get to home group, we helped out at food bank, we managed to open our Bible every day, we even spoke to somebody at work about our faith and we feel pumped up and God is good and, and God must be so pleased with me this week and I, you know, we're, we're really, me and him, we're close and, and, and we feel great. And then we get to the end of the next week and everything's gone a bit pear-shaped. You, you miss church. Uh, you barely opened your Bible, uh, you got cross with that same person at work, and, and now you feel useless, feel hopeless. You can imagine that frown on God's face. Uh, maybe he's not even interested you in, in you anymore. Now, here's the truth. It's not what those things that we do which bring pleasure to God. It's not our spiritual performance that causes us, uh, him to, to love us any more than he does already. It is Christ alone, what he has done for us. It's being found in him which brings pleasure and joy to the heart of God. So what does that mean for us? Uh, what does it mean for you and me? It means that our, our greatest goal is simply to know Jesus and become like him. That was certainly Paul's greatest desire, to know Christ and become like him. Look at verse 10, if you've got your Bibles open. Say, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. That's Paul's greatest longing. Of course, to know Christ is much more than just to know about Christ. But it's never less than knowing about Christ. We'll never get to know Jesus well if we're, we're not opening the Bible regularly, if we're not discovering more about him. 
Of course, in the Gospels, we'll see him most clearly and wonderfully, but, but Christ fills all of the scriptures, so we need to open all of the scriptures and look for Jesus and find him there. We need to be people of the written word if we're going to be people who follow the living word. We get the Bible open every day if we're Christians, not because it ticks the box, not because it thinks, oh, God, I'll be pleased if I've read, if I've read my Bible today, not because I have to, but because it's where we come to know Jesus and we come to know him better. And that is our longing if we know him at all. And Paul draws out two aspects of what it will mean to know Christ, doesn't he, here in these verses, to become like him. They seem to be contrasting, but it's not an either or. or. There's power and there's pain, if you know Jesus. There's death and resurrection. Of course, we love the sound of resurrection power. I don't know about you. I love the sound of resurrection power. I love the, light, the sound of living powerfully for Christ and, and then longing for that day when I'll see him. Uh, we're not so keen on the death and participating in his sufferings. But Paul says both will be our experience if we're following Jesus. Paul mentions resurrection power first because when you become a Christian, of course, the, the incredible truth is that God makes you alive. You who are dead in sin is alive in Christ. It's a miracle, any conversion. And then he puts his spirit in you, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, he puts in us so that we can change, so that we can be fruitful and productive in his world, so that we can be involved in his kingdom purposes, to make a difference, to be salt and, and light, to accomplish things that we could never do if we didn't have Christ's power in us. To get off on a plane, to fly off to Senegal when you're 89 years old, like our mission partner Beryl. That is resurrection power that enables someone to do that. I don't know about you, I want resurrection power so that my life can be fruitful and useful to God. Because the problem of speaking about power is, is that we become a bit triumphalistic perhaps. Or we somehow think that if we know Jesus, everything should be great and everything should work well and everything should be fine because we know this power of the resurrection. But that isn't the case because life gets hard and suffering comes and this resurrection power is given so that we can persevere in the midst of the trials uh, Paul knew that he was writing this letter from prison he was facing a possible death sentence he'd endured beatings and hunger and humiliation and imprisonment and shipwreck uh, this is what it is to know Jesus uh, and become like him, to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul himself, tradition tells us, will die a martyr's death. He'll follow in the footsteps of Jesus, unflinching and trusting, knowing that physical death is not the end, but rather somehow he will attain to the resurrection from the dead, as Ania was talking about earlier, with a new resurrection body in the very presence of Jesus. Well, like Paul, we, we need to be clear that if we make knowing Jesus and becoming him, our, like him, our, our greatest goal, well, it won't be easy. It's going to include challenge and struggle. Now, we won't be surprised when suffering comes, but we won't be beaten by it because we have his resurrection power at work in us. So close, Debbie and I have a, a lovely friend called Sarah. 
she grasped what it was to be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, uh, when she brought her baby daughter to be baptized at our church. Uh, she put her trust in Jesus. She made it her goal to know him and become like him. Sarah, since her late teenage years, had, had battled with cancer. Uh, she was told that she wouldn't live long enough to get married. Uh, I wonder if she, she married Chris. When she became pregnant, she was told that, that she wouldn't survive childbirth. Uh, Grace was born and she brought her for, for baptism. As Jesus became central in Sarah's life, uh, she encouraged other women in the church. She brought friends to, to church. She, she loved to spend time with Jesus. Uh, she had a wonderful faith. Uh, we prayed for Sarah. We prayed for her healing. Uh, but the cancer returned. And she faced her suffering with an incredible faith and courage. I remember going into the hospice on Christmas Day to celebrate communion with her and her family. It was deeply moving. Her eyes were so fixly, fixed so firmly on Jesus. A few days later, she wanted me to go back in to talk about her funeral. We did that, and, and she said, John, I've been, I've been reading Revelation." I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. The Jesus that had filled her heart, she was looking forward to seeing him face to face. And during the following days, there was a lot of tears and there was a lot of physical pain. And there was the agony of leaving her physical, beautiful family. There was the participation in his sufferings. And yet, in the midst of it, there was the power of the resurrection. And this beautiful Christian woman who'd set her heart on knowing Jesus, becoming like him, who trusted him alone, who somehow would retain to the resurrection from the dead, who today is with him in glory. I want to know Christ. I want to know the Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Well, I wonder if that's your heart's desire. Perhaps as the musicians come up to lead us in our time to respond, it, it may be that you're here and you've never put your trust in Jesus. You've been trusting in other things, placing your confidence elsewhere, you're clinging to those achievements of your own and, and there's pride that you need to lay down before God and surrender to him. Now it could be that moment to surrender, to come to the cross. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Hear that invitation of Jesus, come to me, he says. Maybe that you are trusting Jesus, but, but other things are pulling you away from him. You've got distracted, you need to return to him today, deeply in your heart, to put him first in your heart. It may be that you're walking that path of suffering right now. It's hard. And Jesus knows that. And he wants to be with you in it. Well, it's, there's maybe other things God is putting on your heart as you have listened to this passage of scripture. Let's, let's have these moments of response, of drawing near to Jesus. And then uh, we'll respond in song as, as Emma leads us. Just some music plays just for a moment or two before we sing. Just 
make your own prayer, spend time with God.